Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I am one of the pastors here at Compass Point, and today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Doing good. Excellent. So uh, confession time, we're a couple weeks behind. It's been a busy week for, for both you and I. You've had some time off and we've just been dealing with a lot. So we missed the podcast for the past couple of weeks uh, when we started into this new series. So we're going to play a little bit of catch up today. Uh, we're going to talk about the series as a whole, talk about these last couple of weeks and then dig into what we did yesterday, which is Sunday, um, talking about trees. Do you want to do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction to what what are we doing this Lent season? What is this series all about? Yeah, we've been uh, looking at this idea of trees and trees in the Bible. And, and it's um, uh, there's been a couple of books that have been uh, sort of on my mind and on my bookshelf. And I've read uh, one called Reforesting Faith. Uh, that was uh, was really fascinating as a read because, you know, I think sometimes we think like the trees in our lives often just become background and scenery and they sort of mm-hmm. fade into the background. And the same thing happens in the Bible. It just kind of we don't even pay attention because it's just it's just part of the description. But there's actually something really interesting. And, and the more that we've been reading through, the more we recognize that trees actually take active roles in the story of God. And because of that, I think they're worth paying attention to. Yeah. And I mean, like trees are mentioned more in the Bible than any other living thing beyond God and humans. And, and you might be thinking, okay, well, maybe that's just coincidence. But then you think to yourself, okay, well, what's the last novel you read? How many times did it mention trees, mm-hmm. right? And so what we, there, there's a strange amount of mention of trees all the way through. And in mm-hmm. Hebrew, um, the word tree is eights. And it's a word that is actually just translated more as uh, wood in some ways. And so it could mean a piece of wood, a stick, a dead tree, a live tree. All of those things are all caught up in the same word, eights. Mm -hmm. And so as we see that all the way through the Bible, um, we start to see these moments where God either encounters people or people have a decision to make. And Mm -hmm. they're going to choose um, you know, to follow God. And it's kind of like these these moments that we see in the Bible, um, you know, that, that happen over and over again around trees and in probably places that you may not have even thought of before. Yeah, I, I love this, uh, this whole theme. It's, it's kind of wild. And for me, it's helped me come back to the Bible with new eyes, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like often I read the Bible and I'm like, okay, what's the point? What's the, like, give, give me the, give me the Coles notes. This is ancient Hebrew writing. I don't really understand it. Just what what do I need to learn about God? What theological truth and, and viewing the Bible and the story of God through trees and the way that trees are an active character, uh, in so many ways in, in each of these stories in, in different ways, but also it just mentioned all throughout. It's just, yeah, it's this imaginative fun thing and reminds me the Bible is, is not only playing with our like concrete sense of like, what is, here's a, here's a perf- defined precise truth, but kind of like, how do these stories shape us? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think we find in the Bible that a lot of the time the stories are not as precise as we would like them to be and they lack detail. And in Hebrew literature, what I've come to understand is that this is part of the process of meditating on scripture, Mm -hmm. that it, it allows us to think about things and have them roll around in our minds because we don't have all the answers. We don't get to see every last detail. Um, we, you know, my wife was actually reading a novel, actually, sorry. Um, yeah, my wife was reading a novel, uh, the other day and, and just kind of reminding, uh, me how much detail is in novels these days. Like Mm -hmm. just every last detail is, is kind of described for us. And we don't get that in the Bible. 
Um, sometimes there are gaps and sometimes it's, it, that's meant to give us opportunity to think and chew on and figure out. Yeah. And there's really big gaps. And then there are some weird details, right? Like, and that again, when we read the Bible and there's a weird detail and we're like, why is it in there? Skip it. I think often that's, that's the act of Hebrew poetry and Hebrew writing Right, is to say, no, this is, this is weird, but it's really important. And it's why we left everything else out. And this is the detail we've got. And, right. and trees are one of these details, right? We get them over and over. Yeah. And like so many of these parallels. And again, the, the Hebrew word, any, anytime you're reading the Bible in English and you see wood or bush or stick or tree, uh, like those are often in Hebrew, the, the same, same thing. Um, and yeah. so like, it's a helpful just reminder. Okay. Every time you see that, where else is this parallel? So we, we started at the beginning, right? Yes. Like right at the beginning. Talk to me a little bit about Genesis one and two and the role of trees. Yeah. Well, well, trees obviously play a very central role because they are in the center of the garden, the center of this, this paradise that God has created. And in, in many ways, we're going to see, um, that it, it sort of models after this temple. Um, mm. so there's this garden that has, you know, and there's the wilderness and then there's the garden itself. And then in the garden, there are these trees. And so you have these layers of the presence of God. And in the center of the garden is the tree of life mm-hmm. where, um, where God's power and God's presence is, you know, just incredibly present right in this moment. And right next to this tree in the middle of the garden, there is also this tree that's called um, the tree of knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. and, um, or the knowledge of good and bad. And this language is a Hebrew idiom that really kind of um, uh, basically talks about imi- uh, or maturity. And in in, sen- in one sense, it's used in other places to describe children. You know, children don't have the knowledge of good and evil. Right. But this is the one that that is is about maturity. And yeah. and so we have to be careful with this because um, you know clearly God wants us to grow to maturity, but He wants us to do it His way, not mm. our way. And mm. so the idea of us taking on the responsibility to grow ourselves to maturity, to to decide for ourselves what's right in our own eyes—that was what was represented in this tree in the center of the garden. And um, and I always find it fascinating that the two trees are sort of together. And you're thinking to yourself, well, why would God do that? Why wouldn't he just put the tree of knowledge of good and evil somewhere really far away? Like put it in the corner so that yeah. everybody forgets it because no one yeah. wants to eat that tree. Put it on top of a mountain where you can't get to it. Right. right? But, the, but the point is that, that in order for you to take from the tree of life, you need to walk past the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm. In other words, that is a picture of our lives, right? Our lives are always these, these choices that we have. We're either going to choose uh, to follow God or we're going to choose our own path. And mm. in some ways we have to walk past our own idea of what we think is right and choose God's way. And, and so that is an act of trust, you know, much more than anything else. And so, you know, this is, that's, um, that's kind of where things begin. Mm -hmm. And, and what we also see at the beginning is this idea of a test. And that kind of also flows through, um, the Bible as well. Um, and I talked about this in the second week, and, and I think this is really important to remember that a test, uh, really, whether the, a test is something, well, let me put it this way. A test from someone who has your best interest in mind is actually an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to grow. Like if a king um, gives you a test so that you, to find out if you're worthy to take on some challenge, that's an opportunity. But if there's this, 
you know, a, a rebel or someone who's trying to, you know, pull you down and they test you, they're trying to trick you, right? Mm-hmm. And because they don't have your best interest in mind. And so that's really the picture that's that's represented right from the very beginning. Trees and tests and, you know, the presence of God, all of that is kind of wrapped up in this I, this Hebrew word, eights, that just starts appearing over and over and over again through yeah. the biblical narrative. Yeah, so uh, just a great, fun confession time for me. Um, I know the Bible pretty well. You know, I've studied it. I've got a couple degrees in Bible. When we were talking about this and when you were like, yeah, there's two trees. I was like, no, I remember as a Sunday school kid, there was only the one bad tree that they shouldn't. No, there's two trees, right? Right. Uh, again, just a reminder for me, like, oh, I think I know the story and I think I know the details and I think I know the important details, but this is why I love seeing this. Like, I need to go back and I need to like meditate on this and see these details. There yeah. are two trees and they are side by side. Yeah. I should know better, but so, I don't. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and, and here's a, here's an interesting kind of like, you know, something else that we often don't get right as we think back. Um, we, when we think about humanity, what is humanity in its purest form? Like before the fall, mm. a lot of times we have this idea that we were always meant to live forever. Mm. This kind of immortality was, was baked into who we are. Yeah. But I think what we find is we actually look back at the story is that our immortality was always a gift from God, yeah. even before the fall. So, so in order for us to live forever, we actually had to partake of the tree of life. Mm -hmm. It was, it was something that was external to us, but it was given to us as a gift. And so God puts this tree in the garden. He says, you can eat from any tree, including this one. And this is the tree of life that gives us eternal life. But I think it's an, it's nuanced because when I grew up in the church, I kind of had this idea that, you know, we were meant to live forever. We Mm -hmm. were immortal beings. What we actually see is that humanity was was made to rule with God forever, but but our immortality is based on God's gift to us through mm-hmm. the tree, through yeah. the eights. That's yeah. where it kind of begins. Oh man, and there's so many. I'm already picking up on parallels. You talk you talk about the word partake. There's a word we use regularly with communion, right. tied back to Jesus. And I, oh, it's still coming. But Paul, I wonder, are there any trees tied in with Jesus? <laughs> we'll find out soon. Won't well, we? I mean, and and an example of that as well is remember that whole thing about Jesus talking about consuming him and eating yeah. him and all that yeah. kind of stuff. There's these weird kind of like things that they say, but when you bring it back to this idea of the tree of life mm-hmm. and the fruit that was given to Adam and Eve, you know, at the beginning. Um, they were told to consume it, to take it, to, you know, to enjoy it. It was a gift. And, um, and I think that's it, it. All of these things are tied together. You're absolutely right. And I, yeah, I mean, I love finding these kind of golden threads through the story. Right. Right. Um, and trees are like, we're going to keep talking about trees, but there are other, like, can you give me just a couple other examples of what are some of the other images or things that are used throughout the story of the Bible that we can pay attention to like this. So, I mean, let's start at the beginning. I mean, there are so many, but let's start at the beginning, right? Because, you know, so there's, there are these pictures of, um, of wood and, and, and trees. And, and, and you can also talk about some of the things that come from trees. Like Mm. for instance, when, when Noah is, um, I mean, you you know, let's, let's go deep here, right? He's in a boat made of gopher wood, made of eats. And, and he, he's on the water and that saves him from, you know, the, the flood that is, that was meant to destroy the earth water. And what ends up happening at the end of that story is that he's looking for land and what does he get? An olive branch, right? So the tree comes back as this picture of God's grace that he's going to give something to Noah. Mm -hmm. And then Noah arrives in this place and for the first time he builds an altar. So he takes, he literally, there's no other wood. He's taken the wood from the boat 
and he's making an altar um, mm-hmm. to sacrifice to God. The next time there's an altar um, that's built is Abraham, mm-hmm. and he does it under a tree. This is, Abraham was one of the stories that I went back to and was like, no way. And I look at it, I look at it again, and yeah. I'm like, it kept talking about this idea. Like I always thought of uh, of Genesis chapter 12, uh, Abraham gets this, this covenant, he's called out and he's like, you are gonna be a people, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna bless the world through you. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought, okay, well, that's the story. But then yeah. God leads him, so he talks to him, then he leads him to this big tree mm-hmm. and under the tree, he appears to him, right? Yeah. So like he appears to him there. Um, he appears to Moses in the, in the tree, right? He... Um, he appears to, to Abraham again be, be, by trees when mm-hmm. he talks to him about the um, the promise that he's going to have. Uh, then you can look at Gideon, you know, meets God by a tree. Like, it, and you start to see, you're like, okay, this is not a coincidence anymore. Yeah, and it's it, everything is referencing back on itself. If you're if you're a movie buff and you've seen, I mean, let's Star Wars does this well, right? Every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, there's usually a scene somewhere that references back to one of the iconic scenes in the original movie. Yeah. Right. And that is what the Bible does all the time. There's constant like, and if, if we know how to pay attention to these details, like the trees, we're like, Oh, right. This is, it's actually, it all comes back to the garden of Eden Yeah, in some ways. And then like it, it starts pointing at, well, it's not only the garden of Eden, but it's also Abraham and and Noah and then Moses and then, and then, and then, and then, right. It kind of builds these amazingly intricate, but also like, really repetitive stories of what's going on. Yeah. And so a good example of that would be Abraham to Moses. So Abraham, Mm -hmm. um, you know, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham, this is in Genesis 22. And he says, and Abraham says, here I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and he, and then he goes into this description of, Hey, I want you to sacrifice your son. And he goes and he takes him to this, this place. And then God appears in the tree and the bush there, Mm -hmm. um, in the sacrificial lamb that saves. Mm -hmm. But so at the beginning of that, there's this moment where, where he says, Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. And then you look at uh, Exodus chapter three, you kind of fast forward and you see the same thing happens again. God says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And so the the phrase that's repeated reminds us that these stories are connected. There's tissue that's yeah. kind of like connecting them. Yeah. And so you say, okay, so Abraham was tested. I'm expecting that Moses is gonna be tested. And it's not always in exactly the same way, nope. but what we see is that is that these patterns help the reader understand what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. And and that's why, hey, that's why reading the Bible is so cool. There's yeah. so many of these connective tissues that we do need to pay attention to. And you can spend a lifetime studying this stuff. Right. And, and learning the original languages, which, I mean, neither you or I know super well. No, no. Um, but like, you can, you can dig into this and it's, the thing I love about reading the Bible is the more time you spend with it, the more alive it becomes. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, my hope for this series is that we, we see, we see yeah. this, we get to, to see it over and over. So, uh, talk to me a little bit. We've kind of covered some of the stuff in the early weeks, uh, mm-hmm. and, and laid out why we're doing this mm-hmm. series. This week we, we talked about mm-hmm. Moses mm-hmm. and we talked about being tested and we talked about grumbling and complaining and the, the water that turned sweet. Yep. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit more about that. Why, why is that? Why is that important? How does that parallel back to the original trees? And, and what does it introduce that's new? 
Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot there, but I think, I think, uh, one of the things that we touched on is that the, is the pattern that we see, right? Yeah. So we recognize that Moses life actually mirrors the people of God's, you know, mm-hmm. experience. And in the middle of this, there's this wilderness moment yeah. where, um, the Israelites arrive at this, at this water and the water is bitter. It says that's what the Bible tells us. Mm-hmm. And so they can't drink it. They're complaining. They complain to Moses. And then, um, and then God, it says God showed Moses an eighth. He shows him a tree and Moses chooses the right tree, obviously, because mm-hmm. he's, you know, and it's not like, it's not like there's a whole bunch of trees or, or, or something lying on the floor, on the ground. And he picks one of them up. It, God clearly said he shows him the tree. And so Moses picks the one, mm-hmm. takes that branch or stick or log or whatever it is, and he throws it into the water and the water becomes sweet. And so what happens is, is that the Israelites are basically given two things. One, they're given water. And two, the really cool detail in, in, um, um, in chapter 15, verse 22, we see that, that the, um, what what happens is the is is the, or sorry twenty seven is that the Israelites go into a garden from there. Like he mm. actually brings them into this place of of springs and palm trees, um, with this picture of blessing. And so there's this like mini picture of the whole story of God in yeah. those few verses, yeah. right? And how um, the tree of life is what saves them uh, in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see. And and you talked a little bit about grumbling and complaining this right. week. Um, Talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. I, I don't know about our listeners, but I feel like, uh, I, I feel like I probably nudged my kids when you said something about grumbling and complaining on right, Sunday. Right, right, and right, I feel like sure. a few other people may have just been like, yeah, listen up, grumbling and complaining. You got to stop that. Right. Right. Okay. So let me start there. Grumbling and complaining is really easy to see in other people. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult to see in ourselves. Of course. And when we think about ourselves, I said this on Sunday, when we think about ourselves, it's like, no, no, no that's an informed opinion. Or, or I have, I have some constructive criticism or mm. I have like, I'm offering you know, to make things better by yeah, pointing out what's wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and so all of those things, it, it may sound, you know, we can try to make them sound different. But really what it is, is complaining, right? And grumbling. And um, there's something about the way that we handle our disappointments and our frustrations and the things that are just wrong um, that are going on. The way that we handle that is really, really important. Um, and and God kind of sets out this test for his people. And he says, I'm going to, I want you to trust me. I mean, the big picture here is that is that he wants people to continually walk past the choices that are going to take us in the wrong direction and choose life, right? Mm-hmm. He wants us to do that over and over and over again. And so often we find ourselves, you know, like starting to just do what's right in our own eyes, which Mm -hmm. brings us back to that place that's taking us to the wrong tree and in the wrong direction. And so sometimes I think grumbling and complaining can get us there. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's the, one of the things I'm, I'm big on in, in the shape of our services and liturgy is, you know, there's room for lament. There's room for crying out to God and being like, God, I don't get this. It doesn't feel right. Everything's wrong. I think of, uh, I think some of the families in our church who have lost loved ones or yeah. are going through suffering or people who've lost jobs, like there's lots of wrong. So how do you, like, uh, you, you said a couple things on Sunday, like, you know, g- grumbling and complaining is essentially not trusting God. Yeah. Um, how do you trust God, but allow room for lament? And how is lament different than grumbling and complaining? How, like... Because it's not, we're not saying you need to be happy all the time. You can never have a hard time with anything. Yeah. Um, 
we are saying that trusting God, even when times are hard, is is good. How, how does that play itself out? How do we how do we do that well? Right. So uh, that's a great question. I think one of the first things I would say is, you know, we are told in the Bible to cast our cares and our anxieties on God because mm. he cares for us. You know, it's very clear that we are to bring our concerns, our worries, our, our things that, that, that bother us, that make us upset. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things uh, are, uh, is completely acceptable. But I think where it becomes sin, where where we take this idea of grumbling and complaining and, and, and where it becomes sin is when we bring these problems to God with a raised fist rather than an open hand. Mm. And what I mean by that is when we come to God uh, upset at something that's happened to us and we come to him with a raised fist saying like, you know, this is not fair and you haven't done this right and I'm I'm the one that's right in this situation and I need to like be vindicated here. Right. Um, that's the problem. When we when we come and we say, God, I don't get this, but we have our hands open to mm. what God has to tell us, that's a different posture altogether. It's the same thing I think we, you know, sometimes we talk about doubt and the idea of, you know, having questions, there's nothing wrong with having questions. But when we come with sort of a closed mind to our our doubts where it's like I'm bringing my doubts and I'm frustrated because you're wrong and this is, you know, this isn't the truth. That becomes the the angry fist. But right. when we bring our questions and we're honestly seeking answers and we're saying, God, I don't get this. Tell me that's mm. that's an open hand. Mm. And so I think the same thing happens when it comes to, uh, you know, grumbling and complaining. The way that I was talking about on Sunday is really those people who are coming with a with an angry fist. Sure. Yeah. But I think I think we have to recognize the one thing I, I really thought was important on Sunday was that was that we often are grumbling. We're, we're too spiritual to grumble to directly to God. Mm. We, we grumble about other people. Yeah. And, you know, let's just let's just be clear. There's a lot of grumbling and complaining that's going on right now when it comes to, you know, the people around us, you know, our governments or, you know, whatever is going on. And I would just be very careful that we are not sort of losing sight of God's sovereignty in it all and, yeah. and losing sight of the fact that that there are, when I... Um, when I start to to say that, you know, the world is is going in a really terrible place, mm-hmm. and it's clear that I need to do something about it. Yeah. Um, there's a line there, right? Like we have to be careful that we don't sort of overstep was our responsibility. Well, and I, I again, I go back to the Psalms of of David specifically because we know so much of his story, right? David is a man who who didn't lift his sword against his persecutor, right? Who didn't right. kill Saul when given the opportunity to. Uh, and when and when his friends were like, dude, this is it. Like you just kill him. This is done. Figure it out. Um, and yet you read the Psalms of David and you, you talked earlier about like coming to God with an open hand instead of a raised fist. Like some of them, David starts with a pretty raised fist mm-hmm. and then opens his hand, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of the Psalms of, of anger have this kind of journey of like, God, vindicate me because everything is terrible and like you owe it to me yeah. to sort it out. But then ends with this, but what changes this recognition of who God is and right. what he's been doing. Right. And, and there's this opening of the hand right. in almost all of those Psalms. Yeah. Um, that just kind of says like, but you are God and I am not. Yeah. Um, and I love the humanity of that. Cause there is this recognition and like, man, you could have fun conversations. <laughs> are, are the beginning parts of those Psalms sinful? Well, if you only live there, maybe, right? Like, yeah, but not when you, when you take the journey, but I, 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 yeah, I yeah. love what you're saying. But you talked on Sunday about this 
so we're in the wilderness, right? Like, yeah. like the people of Israel, like Moses, that yeah. that's kind of where we find ourselves between, between yeah. the garden and between the promises yeah. of God. When we're in the wilderness, how do we remind ourselves about what, what it looks like to come out of the wilderness? What, as followers of Jesus, living in the time we're living in, and, and frankly, living in a time when there's a lot of unrest, uncertainty, mm-hmm. anxiety. I mean, you look at what's going on in Europe, you look at the climate crisis, you look at the studies and stats on anxiety and, and what our kids are dealing with. And like, it's, um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. So, so how do we, how do we take hope in the wilderness? Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's where it gets. So first of all, I would say that the wilderness continues until we come into the presence of God. Hmm. I think, you know, as I think that through, like there is all of our uh, time before uh, glorification, before this, you know, this, the, the final days, um, it's all wilderness. Um, you know, sometimes it's going a little bit more positively, a little bit more negatively, but the wilderness is more about the um, you know, the, the, it, it's, there's not a lot of direction and sometimes yeah. we're a little bit lost and, yeah. and that's more what a wilderness is. It doesn't necessarily have to be entirely negative. Now, what we're experiencing now, um, you know, for many of us has been really disheartening. I, I know it has been for me. Um, I've been really impacted by, you know, the, uh, what's going on in Ukraine. It's mm-hmm. just been, it's been very difficult to sort of wrap your head around some of these things. Um, what I would say is that, is that tests are a regular part of what the what the wilderness experience is all about and that and uh, the reminder is that tests from a a god who has your best interest in mind is all, is actually an opportunity and you know 2 weeks ago we talked about the idea of faith the mm. faith that we want to produce is strong um like a tree yeah. we want to produce a faith that has rings that are you know every ring is a decision that we make mm. and and sometimes you know we we make decisions that are not going to not for the best for us yeah. um, that's part of our human experience as well but the more we choose this process of sanctification and becoming more like christ um, and choosing well in those moments, we, we, we take the opportunities that God is giving us. Cause you know, in the passage we looked at on Sunday, God said, Hey, do these things and you're going to be blessed. We're going to, you're going to see some awesome, awesome things happen here. And, um, and so, so that's the, the blessing that we're looking for. I, I and I want to remember though, that salvation comes first, mm. right? Yep. And, and this is where, you know, we talk about this in, in terms of salvation, uh, by grace alone, right? God, the the water moment, the moment where we've been brought through the waters of death, that's already happened yeah. um, for followers of Jesus. And so it's not conditional. We don't, we don't have to make these right decisions in order for God to save us. Right. He's saved us so that we have the opportunity to make these decisions and find the blessings of God. Yeah. And I mean, this is one of the, the tensions of Lent, the season we're in. Sure. On one hand, we're journeying towards Easter, right? Like we're not there. We're not there in the story. We're not... On the other hand, every time we gather for church, we celebrate Easter. Mm-hmm. Every every time we pray, every time we remember any of these things, we remember Jesus is one and we are in because of him, right? Yeah. Like, and that's like, we're walking through the wilderness, but there is this hope, this hope of resurrection, this right. hope of the com- coming kingdom. Um, and th- there's this weird tension I find holding both of this, those things in this season. On one hand, I'm kind of trying to put that off and being like, not yet. I want to be present in the story. But on the other hand, like, I need to be present at the end of the story. I need to be yeah. attentive to that. Um, so that I would I would say if you're 
if you're struggling with hope, if you feel like the wilderness is overwhelming, don't miss that end. Of course. And and review it, right? And that's why we sing about these things every week. It's why we take mm-hmm. communion every month. That it's why we do these things to remind ourselves mm-hmm. of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much we could dive into, but mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest mm-hmm. that we wrap it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we are going through this season, uh, w- one thing I want to remind our listeners of, we've got these weekly videos coming out that are around rule of life. And again, kind of help you journey through this Lenten season and think mm-hmm. about what, is it, what does it mean to develop habits and patterns that'll shape me as Jesus wants me to, to, to mm-hmm. in the way of Jesus, who am I becoming as Chris keeps reminding mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And these are little videos just to help you think through those things in this season. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you, Paul, uh, in the coming weeks, um, do you want to give our listeners any hints of where we'll be so they can start kind of reading those stories and seeing where are the trees or do you want to just let it come as it does? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's certainly there's a lot of, I mean, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks touching on every moment where trees appear, but we are certainly going to be looking towards this tree, this, per, this, this root um, of, of Jesse, who was, yeah. you know, the beginning of this family line that was going to move towards Jesus. Um, you know, that is certainly something to look forward to. We can see it in the prophets. Um, we see it in other stories, but then also the way the Bible uses trees to illustrate what a life should look like. Mm. Um, what does faithfulness look like? Uh, all of these things. Um, it's, it's great. Uh, really looking forward to jumping into the next topics. Yeah. So as you're, as you're reading this week, pay attention, see where you can find trees and sticks and branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening along to Postscript. We will be back next week to talk more about trees. Have a good one.